Hello, uh, I'm Stephen, I'm part of the team here at St. John's. So our reading today comes from Revelation chapter 20, which is on page 1248. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient snake who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In numbers, they are like the sand in the, on the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of, God, of God's people, the city he loves. But first came down, uh, but fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So uh, for a sort of weird clerical fluke. This is the last time in the Tuesday lunchtime service we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. But we haven't got to the end. We're still two chapters short. I've actually, I, I've quite enjoyed our time in Revelation. I thought we came up with some quite interesting and human things to say within this big mass of apocalypse and complexity and the end of the world and things that we don't understand, I thought that we've come up with some uh, quite human, quite tangible and interesting answers. 
So I'm a, I'm a little bit sad to be seeing the end of it. Especially as, like I said, we haven't quite reached the end. We can sort of glimpse the end, and maybe we'll look down and see the paragraph headings and you know, have, a, have an idea of where it's going. And we all sort of, we know what's going to happen next. There'll be a new city, there'll be God's kingdom come to earth, and all of these great, glorious things. But we can't see it, at least within the framework of these Tuesday lunchtimes. We're not going to see the end. And I actually think that that's quite an interesting position to, to stop because it reflects where we are in real life. We don't see the end of God's majestic cosmic plan. We don't see the last chapter of the story that he's been writing in history. We can only make do with the bit that we're in. We can only try to understand God from where we are standing, with all the tools he's given us, with the relationships he can build with us. But we don't get his majestic picture of everything. And with that in mind, I actually think that this passage tells us four of the most important attributes of God without actually getting to the end. First, the passage tells us that he is faithful. So this is coming from verses four and six. And this is, you know, one of the most key themes in the Bible. Particularly important uh, time for this would be the the, uh, the story of Exodus, where God reached down and he heard his people in pain and he reached down and he brought them out of Egypt. But then we're told that he is still faithful at the end, that he brings up those who have fallen for his name, the martyrs, the people who died for him. He brings them up and he stands by them and he gives them what they deserve. The second theme that we're shown is that he is powerfully on our side. It's from verse seven, and seven to nine. So when all the, the power of hell and all the evil in the earth, when numbers that are beyond counting come against the people of God, he's powerfully on our side and wipes them from the face of the earth easily. It's not a challenge for him. God has the full control. He knows what's happening. It's all part of his plan. We may not understand the plan, but he does. Which leads me to the third thing that it highlights, that he is victorious against that throng, against all of this opposition. He's magnificently victorious. That's coming from verse 10, where the evil that for some reason exists in the world, he destroys again for the last time. And then the fourth theme that I want to pull out is that God judges from these three existing things. His faithful love, his wonderful power, and his ultimate victory. From that basis, God judges. Because God is for justice. He's for us. He is faithful to us. And he brings us out from these terrible situations. He fights for us. And that, I think, is a really interesting place to be ending this look on Revelation. Not from the end, but from towards the end. Because it shows us, ultimately, that 
We don't need that majestic scheme, that understanding of the beginning and the end. We don't need to be able to see everything that God has done in order to see four key themes that tell us of God's love, of God's majesty, of God's victory, of God's desire for justice. And I think that that's a crucial thing, that we don't need to see the end, but we do need to know that we are characters within this story, that we are part of this, this narrative, this epic. Great. Thank you very much.